Welcome to Practically Fit, Real Fitness Over 40. I'm Jen Chamberlain, and well, Alex is on vacation this week, but I'm very excited to have a special guest on the program. Those who listen to us regularly know that Alex and I like to talk about fitness through the lens of science. However, we are not scientists by any stretch of the imagination. We're communications majors. So today, I'm so excited to welcome Wendy Sedman-Craft, who actually is a scientist and is here to help me and our listeners understand how to think about research studies and maybe share just a little bit of her fitness journey as well. Welcome, Wendy. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, Wendy, without telling us exactly where you work, tell me a little bit about what you do for your job. Yeah, so I work for a biotech company where I carry out in vivo and in vitro experiments to test a hypothesis. Um, so uh, backing way up from that, how did you get into the sciences? What inspired you to go down that path in your career? Um, I've always been curious about the world, um, questioning the answers, that sort of thing. I originally wanted to do medicine and found out that path wasn't for me, but I still wanted to sort of help people. And so that's where I started in the research department. Yeah, so now you have kind of the best of both worlds because you're doing research in this area without having to get the full medical degree and all of that good exactly. stuff. Fantastic. So now getting down to the brass tacks, the thing we're really curious about. So whenever Alex and I are researching an episode for the podcast, we like to go out on Google research and look up scientific articles and studies on whatever particular fitness topic. It could be, you know, how much sleep should you get? Or, um, you know, should we, what types of exercise are most beneficial for someone over 40 like myself? Uh, actually over 50 for me. But um, that's sort of the theme of our podcast. But for a lay person like Alex and I, what makes a good scientific study? Like what characteristics should we look for in a scientific study being complete lay people in this area? If you can get a hold of the answers, like starting off with who sponsored the study, because there can be a lot of bias. Yeah. Um, And the other thing would be numbers. How many people were in this study? What were the age groups? That sort of thing. Because anybody can take a study and give you an example of, oh, milk is better to drink than apple juice, for example. Um, But when you look down it, and the keyword is significant, they could say it is significantly better, which means they actually have to have done some math with some power. Or they could just say it is better for you. And Mm. to do that, literally only one person in that study has to have had some better benefits of drinking milk versus drinking Oh, wow. That is fascinating. We strongly suspected that both of those things were uh, important. Who sponsored it? That's that's a big one. We always look at that. But then also, like, how many people are in it? I I cited one last week that had 11 people, and I thought, is that really a good sample size? I don't know. Typically not. Okay, so more questions about research, because this is really, um, you know, why we wanted to have you on the program. So what are some terms that we should also look for? So, for example, when I read a study and it's a double-blind, randomized, controlled study, that seems like gold standard to me. But what do I know? I'm not a scientist. So what, what should we look for? I mean, I think you nailed it. It actually is definitely blinded. I think naturally as humans we have the tendency to be biased whether we want to or not and we obviously try not to be a scientist um, but if it's not a blinded study it's not going it, you're going to have some bias regardless and what does that mean a blinded study it just means that the the population is completely randomized and both the person who's in the study and the person who is giving the study 
both don't know if you're in the treatment group or if you're oh. in the non-treatment group. Okay. Placebo. Cool. Placebo. That's the other thing I've seen is placebo-based. So that would also be, I guess, a key component to a good research study. Oh, for sure. So when we see scientific research in the popular press, what are some misconceptions or misinterpretations that drive you crazy? So, you know, you see this all the time. If you're reading a magazine, you'll see, you know, studies say that drinking five glasses of wine a day will help you live longer or, you know, coffee will kill you, like those kinds of things. Like when you read that kind of thing, what are some of the things that drive you crazy about it? Um, I think you just nailed that as well. It's, um, there are some, there's, there's so many different pathways within our bodies. Mm. And sometimes like wine might help a certain pathway. It might help, you know, better eyesight or, you know, nicer skin, but it's also going to, we all know, be harder on your liver, maybe your kidneys, different things like that. So if they're just looking at one aspect of the whole human body, right? then they're not going to, it's, it, you know, it's a bias. That they are only focusing on that one aspect, and they're going to say, yes, this is better, or no, this isn't. And it's not necessarily bad. What they're saying is probably true, mm. but it still is misleading to the general population. Yeah, because our body is like an integrated system, right? right? And that's something we like to talk about a lot on this podcast, is it's all about balance, you know? Um, if you take extremes in any direction, I remember Alex found this one study that said that basically coffee was bad for you, but the guy that... The research, actually, the research said the person was drinking like 10 cups of coffee a day, right? I mean, that's different than having a morning cup of joe. Yeah, you know? your average person doesn't drink 10 cups of coffee, so right. it's not applicable. <laughs> exactly. So that's why, you know, we think it's really important to look at the facts. You know, when we're doing this research, how many people, like you said earlier, were involved in the study? What were the other, you know, what were the conditions, etc.? So this is super exciting. So this next question, bear with me here. Are some areas of research sexier than others? Sexier. <laughs> yeah, so I have an example. Okay. So a lot of times, you know, when we're doing research on some topics, like we did a podcast on sleep, and there was tons of research. There were whole journals on sleep science and, you know, all this research that came out of um, sleep centers, which I've actually been in one. It was a really bizarre experience. But then other ones we find there's not that much research. Um, and the key word we always see is, more research is needed. Mm -hmm. So what drives basically what scientists study? Well, there's sort of two ways to look at this. One is academia. And, and in academia, you have to apply for grant money to have your study sponsored. So you have to really push for, I'm, I love this part of the body, this molecule, whatever it is you want to study for this reason and have a, a really good reason for it to get any funding for it. Um, the other part is sort of when it, with an industry, it is kind of what's sexy, what's happening right now, mm. what's popular. That's going to get the funding. Okay. So a combination of interest and then also what gets funding. Um, so when in terms of like things like fitness, is it also faddish to some extent? Is, do things kind of come and go in popularity? For sure. I think as far as like long-term science goes, most scientists will kind of hold on to one sort of area that they, they study for most of the, or all of their lives. Mm. And so that will go in and out of popularity for sure. But I would say we kind of need to keep up with the times, like just thinking about like fitness. And for example, um, what used to be considered a healthy weight is no longer a healthy weight, or maybe right. it's going to be a healthy weight in the future. Right. And, and that, I mean, weight is just one aspect of fitness, obviously, yeah. and, and health, but it's kind of, it is fad and is sort of, um, what we learn now, we have to continue to, to apply and then continue to apply it to the research that we are doing. You know, it's like, it's once you find out new information, 
And once it's proven to be true, you have to kind of believe that and move on with your research. And so I think it is kind of, I don't know a better word, like variable in what, what we focus on right now. Yeah, absolutely. And that also brings me to another point. We always, when we're looking at these research studies, we try to choose ones that are fairly recent because I would assume the science changes over time. So, you know, something that was written two decades ago about fitness may not match up with, like you were saying, with how we look at BMI today or the kind of things that we've learned since then. Right. Yeah, exactly. Switching gears a little bit, in addition to talking about fitness from a science-based perspective, we also love to hear about people's personal fitness journeys, since everyone is unique in that regard. I know you and I have talked about running, though I know you've also had a bit of a setback recently in terms of an injury. So I was wondering, can you tell me a little bit about your own fitness journey, um, how you got into running, and just sort of share a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, basically I was always kind of active high school, and uh, and then in college I realized that you have to pay money for gyms, and <laughs> yes, I was a broke right. college student decided this isn't going to work for me, and so I just started running, and, and I also realized along those lines that it's a really good stress reliever for me. Mm, I could yeah. process everything I needed to process, and, and I, I continued that. Um, into my early to late 20s and then um, I did a couple marathons and things like that and I had goals right right um, but then I became a mom and things got harder and my body changed significantly from that and it got mm-hmm. it got harder and I but I got back out there and I, I did continue to run um, until I more recently had broken my leg and, and when I say run I didn't do any marathons after kids I would you know do two three maybe five miles on a weekend kind right. of a thing. And then after I had a really bad leg injury, I'm still actually struggling from that. I had three surgeries, got my leg put back together, um, managed a 5k last year. And since then it's been, it's been rough. I'm still, everything just doesn't get put back together the same. And so it's, it's been a struggle, but I'm pretty determined. I'm seeing a physical therapist now and gonna, I'm going to keep pushing for it. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. And you're so right about injuries. Coming back can be so hard. Um, Alex actually broke his leg last summer uh, on his honeymoon in the UK. And, you know, it takes a really long time for your body to heal. And, you know, like you said, it doesn't always go back together the way it was before. So I'm curious, you know, um, has what did you learn anything through the process of you know how do you approach recovery and is there anything that you know has been helpful to you and like being patient particularly which is the hardest thing of that yeah being patient is very difficult for me when I couldn't I could literally put no weight on my leg for three months and I was starting a new job at the time and it was it was it was rough yeah Um, but yeah, I think the number one thing is to listen to your body. It's like I have this plan in my head. I want to get to this point of recovery, and sometimes I didn't get there, mm-hmm. and I would I would really get down on myself about it. But just remembering that, look where I came from, and I also realize as I get older, I was always sort of I was never really into like vitamins and supplements and things like that. Um, but I'm growing a bone, like literally growing a bone, right? And I do need supplements. I don't have enough calcium and vitamin D naturally in my diet. I eat well, but it's still not enough to grow an entire bone. So I had to kind of let what I used to feel as a, as a young one um, <laughs> to not take any supplements. To I let that go, and I've, I've actually delved a little bit into, like, what, what do we need? And, and looking at, you know, what I have in my diet and what I need for, to, to make myself healthier and happier. 
Yeah, man, that's great perspective. I think you learned that too, even, you know, when you're training, like you have to fuel your body and give your body what it needs to do this extra, you know, thing that you're asking of it. So I think it's important both when you're recovering and also when you're training. Mm -hmm. So um, tying this all together, do you take a scientific approach to health and fitness? Are you, so for example, are you kind of a data nerd like Alex and I are, or are you more of a like go with the flow, you know, that kind of person? Uh, I would say I'm a hybrid Um, I do a little bit of both. I definitely try to focus on what's good, especially like as I get older, I'm in my forties now and I want to, I want to live to be beyond that. So I focus on what's out there. I look at the data and and I wouldn't say that I necessarily change every habit I have. Um, but I will, I will read, I will read up on it a little bit and, um, make some small changes if I feel like it's appropriate for my life, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't go drastic because everybody knows when you, when you do something drastic like that, it never falls through anyway. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, just great discussion. Thank you so much for sharing some of your Thank fitness you journey and also for talking about research. If there's one thing you would want our listeners who many of whom are not scientists like me and Alex to take away about health and fitness research, what would you say to people out there reading all this information in the popular press? So, I know that scientific papers can be extremely overwhelming, <laughs> um, there, but you have to realize like what you as a person and even me as a scientist get out of it is basically going to be in the abstract and the conclusion. You can skip everything in between. Mm. That's just them proving themselves so that their peers can review it and say, yes, I believe you. Everything, all, you don't need it. Focus on the abstract. That will make sense. It's, it is designed to be written in layman's term for a reason. Um, but also like, do another research. If you found this one paper, hey, is there another paper that sort of backs this up and that sort of thing? I think it would be really helpful. Uh, Listening to the mainstream media, honestly, depending on which media outlet you're looking at, could say completely opposite things. So I'd be careful with that. Yeah. So it sounds like you're encouraging listeners to have some healthy skepticism about these types of things. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Wendy. I really appreciate your time tonight. Um, that's it for the program. I would say some key takeaways for me is it matters who's funding this research studies and we need to look at the sample size and also double blind randomized is pretty good, like getting close to that gold standard. So I just really appreciate you walking us through all that today. Sure. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So that's it for our episode today, for my episode today, since Alex is still on vacation. And just a reminder, we'll be taking a bit of an extended break, and then we'll come back with new content um, and also some new guests we're hoping to share their fitness journeys. But until then, um, be sure and check out our past content on practically.fit. Drop us an email at alex at practically.fit if you have ideas for things you'd like us to cover or if you have a story that you'd like to share. And until we come back, remember, fitness is for everybody.